Hi, I'm Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. I can tune into your loved ones in the spirit world, but I can also tune into you, tell you about your path and the choices that you need to make and need to know. I'm currently giving 30% discount on all Tell Craig Your Story listeners. Just use the code Tell Craig Your Story for 30% off your first psychic reading with me online at Nigel the Shanghai Psychic. Craig here, welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. First off, I'd like to give a big shout out to everyone living here in Shanghai. I hope you are staying safe in these very, very tough times. Now for those who are counting, this is episode 99. Today we'll be speaking to Sky Elizabeth James. Now Sky was born in Tamworth, Australia. Now Sky is an award-winning artist and her art has been published in the US and Australia. Now, I was also in a rock band with Sky's sister, Kurt, called The Mercy Call. But what drives Sky is her passion to bring awareness to domestic violence in Australia. But before we go, please go to our website. We are at Podbean. Tell Craig your story at podbean.com. We have a link tree there which tells you where Tell Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. We are on all the major streaming services. We also have VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for our Chinese listeners at Tell Craig Your Story. We also have a YouTube channel there. Make sure you're subscribing to get all the latest updates as soon as I upload the videos. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Skype on Tell Craig Your Story podcast. Hi Sky, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Doing very, very good, thank you. Thank you very much for your time. It's been quite a long time. How? When was the last time I spoke to you? Oh gosh, yeah. Been a very, 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 very long time. We used to, I used to play in a band with your sister Kurt. A merciful. Yeah. I used to, I can remember you coming to the front of the stage and banging your head and <laughs> dancing and. Yeah, so it was very cool. So tell us, uh, how have you been? Uh, we've all been affected by COVID. What have you had to change in this sort of time? Well, being a uh, bit of a kind of non-conformist, I um, have been a little bit naive to the whole COVID thing because I don't have television connected as such. Um, I don't get the mainstream media. So I didn't know that the pandemic was happening until I was down at Aldi and my one-year-old at the time was looking at the floor at Aldi and everyone was looking at me kind of, What's going on? <laughs> there was no toilet paper in Australia. That's, that, 
Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I think that's a good thing because a lot of a lot of the media when I come back to Australia during that time was just all scared scare tactics. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it was scaring everybody. Like, what's happening? What, what's the what's the real truth? Is it, is it really happening? So yeah, yeah like I guess the, that the media and Facebook were dictating what our law system was kind of doing and making new laws. If you got on Facebook, I'm like, it's Facebook. It's not. That's what official government sign, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But for, for you, did you have to, like, stop your work? Or how did you sort of adapt in this period? And having a family as well. Well, it was hard in the way of isolation. It was bizarre, not being able to see anybody kind of thing. But I was, was kind of, I ended up in a situation with um, domestic violence. So at the end, of, I was already being isolated. So by the time the pandemic came, I was already used to kind of being on my own a lot. <laughs> just me and Bob. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was uh, it was just frustrating. I found it frustrating because it was here we had like ninety six percent recovery rate. So it was just kind of like we was going around and everyone was going crazy about it and just being so nasty to each other. Yeah. What did you do in this period? Is it still okay in Australia now? Like, are they getting back to normal? Yeah, it's um, I went to the uh, Seen and Heard um, live music festival the other weekend, which was the first kind of outing of, you know, everyone, no one with face masks. It was so good to see people smiling and being able to see facial expressions. So I found that really daunting, um, not being able to see anyone's kind of face when you're used to kind of that walking down the street. But, um, yeah, it's getting back to normal now. Yeah, but there was a lot of um, lockdowns where you were only able to see one person or um, really funny mm. rules that we had where you could, um, you could, um, you know, go to a restaurant, you had to wear your mask, except if you were eating, then you could take the mask off or, and then, you know, you're allowed to, you weren't allowed to sing, but you're allowed to yell, like, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. Fun, it was hard to follow. <laughs> I like, I like the one where, uh, like, I've had musicians come on before and say that they couldn't stand up and, and enjoy the music and sing the songs. They had to sit down and just listen, but across the road, they had 50,000 people at, a, a, like, a rugby league game uh, yeah. w- w- watching the footy with no ask. That was uh, fine. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't, doesn't make any sense. But I'm yeah. glad uh, that, that for Australia that it's, it's getting better. Hopefully it can get better. And, uh, like, the travels, the travel bans stop as well, right? Like, you can, everyone can I, sort of sorry. start travelling now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you weren't even able to get from kind of New South Wales to Queensland. There was people stuck, um, your family on the other side of the border and weren't able to see them or anything. So that would have been harder than just the overseas travelling. So tell us for uh, for this year, uh, give us like a quick review for what, what you've done so far this year, Sky. This year, I've been um, kind of uh, working my art practice up and there's, I think I started with an exhibition called um, Into the Mist, which was um, depictions of uh, mental health, and that was a photography exhibition. Mm. And it did um, a kind of road show through um, like Townsville and um, wow. England. Yeah, yeah, I think it's still going, or it might just be ending, but they keep finding new venues to take it to, which is good. The current exhibition that I'm doing online is um, The Butterfly Effect with the contemporary art curator. That's another kind of one with other artists that are kind of speaking out for human rights and that type of thing. So that's the exciting. That's a and cool band that's... as well, by the way. <laughs> Pardon? That's a cool band, by the way. Butterfly Effect. Yeah. Band, they rock. <laughs> Just quietly. 
<laughs> no, but that's congratulations. Actually, to be honest, I actually didn't even know that you were doing this sort of art. So it's only been recently that, that I've found out, and it's like you've been put in U.S. websites. You've won. You've won a few awards as well. So tell us about how all this come about. Like, have you always been involved with art? Yeah, well, I was back when uh, early 2000s, whatnot, I was, um, when I was fresh out of uni because I did my degree in photography, I was teaching craft classes at um, just one of the local craft shops, um, doing that kind of three or four nights a week and um, still doing the, the, you know, nine to five job in admin and that type of thing as well. And I ended up taking a, well, everything kind of fell apart in <laughs> 2016. I had to restart kind of life again and I changed my medium and went to painting and just developed kind of my, my skill with that and where I wanted to go with it and then um found myself kind of wanting to have a voice for um for what I'd um just kind of experienced and that with domestic violence and so started trying to yeah dedicate my practice to uh making my mess my message. <laughs> Yeah, and are there particular themes that you have with the art? It's, it's got here like the art side of the moon. That's a very interesting twist on on, on the side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just being uh, you know pink word fan. <laughs> and um, my son's name is Pax Moon, and um, I'm a Cancerian, so I'm governed by the moon. So it was just kind of I don't know popped in my head one day, and I was like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, just kind of the other side of art where it's not just all about pretty things. That's, um, you know, things are, it's the way art's a way of communicating, um, different, you know, kind of world issues and things like that. Get people talking, yep. thinking. Yep. And it says here, you've also done like an online exhibition. How does, that, how does that work? Is that a little bit weird? Isn't it like it's different? It's online now. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I mean, they're still doing exhibitions, you know, face to face type of thing, but it's now a great way where you can actually work with international internationally with other artists and um you don't have to necessarily send all of your artworks and pay massive amounts in postage type of thing to get them over to the states it's all um all online which um yeah it's a, opened up a whole new avenue which i'm surprised we've never thought about before covid yeah right and it says here that you won is it one award or two awards atm uh, atm collector's choice awards yeah yeah and i was congratulations uh, that's an amazing I'm achievement <laughs> and um I've just uh with the art curator I've gotten a um but it's a award for um activism as well, which um oh. I was pretty stoked about. Very good. Well done. All right, so let's go back way back. I like to find out some information. I sort of know your family a little bit. You were born in Newcastle. Are, were you born in Newcastle or you're born no, outside like of Newcastle? You're born in Tamworth, All right. Yeah, so so how long did you live in Tamworth and do you, do you have memories of living there? No, no, not at all. But I was, I, we moved to Newcastle when I was four. All right. Okay. Was there a bit of a change, like moving from Tamworth to Newcastle? I mean, big city compared to Newcastle, was it tough finding friends or? I don't know. I don't, um, I don't remember a lot of my childhood, unfortunately. <laughs> I think, uh, what, well, Kurt, my sister was, seven years older than me so she would have been in primary school yeah yeah and um my brother was in into year seven or something yeah yeah so and i hear from you know the stories of the challenges of making new friends and you know shane going surfing and proving that he you know was a cool kid and stuff and (laughs) 
I know that you have a close relationship uh, with your uh, with your sister. How has that developed over the years? Like, uh, we're going to talk about domestic violence and and a little bit later. But tell us about you and your relationship with your sister. My sister, she's the best. <laughs> she sings on me. Hi, <laughs> <Bye>, Kurt. <laughs> No, with um, she's kind of like my um, uh, my co-parent as well. With um, because being a single mum, I've got a four-year-old. Yeah, he's four. He's a little um, very very vibrant little boy, and uh, so she's Honey Kurt now. It's not just Kurt; it's Honey uh-huh. Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, I mean, we've always been close, and we've had um, you know, people try and get in between us, which is, sounds really strange, but when you experience um. You know, certain things with um, past relationships, things like that. It's amazing what um, you'll encounter. Yeah, she's um, she's my everything. Yeah. Growing up, like, t- tell us about, like, in high school and primary school, growing up in Newcastle. I mean, uh, to me, it was a great place uh, to live. So tell us about living in Newcastle. Oh, I just remember <clears throat> just always beach, catch a train from <laughs> out of into Newcastle. And, yeah just going to the beach all the time and uh you know holidays were at the beach and you're right into music right yeah yeah well, i used to follow kurt around everywhere <laughs> going west of it but it was also like uh we'd have like big day outs and sound wave and all those sort of festivals so were you into those festivals as well oh yeah definitely definitely yeah homework home back was the first one and oh, um, right. yeah i would like the good old you know homegrown kind of feeling it's um, it was this big day out in Soundwave and Splendour in the Grass. Splendour in the Grass, yeah, yeah. I never quite made it to Byron. I always wanted to go to Byron. And, and yeah. have you done? And have you done some travelling around Australia internationally? Internationally, yes, but I haven't done a lot of travelling here. It's too expensive. <laughs> so I've been uh, to Vietnam and um, South Africa, Thailand, South Africa. Yeah, tell us about that. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, that was um, ah. Oh, I was, it was, um, for the Rugby World Cup. So oh, wow. I actually got to see Nelson Mandela in the flesh. And it was, yeah, just after apartheid. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was crazy over there getting escorted with AK-47s just to the tour bus. <laughs> but it was really daunting when you don't see guns in Australia like that. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, I've heard some really very hardcore stories about people going to South Africa. It's a, I think it's a good place to visit. So. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell us, when did you get involved with? You said you were studying photography. So, has, has it always been a passion uh, as a as a young kid, or when did you sort of start wanting to do this? Uh, yeah, when I was a teenager, I got into um, kind of black and white darkroom photography, mm. and uh, so as soon as I left, um, you know, after I did my HSC. I uh, went to TAFE and did black and white darkroom photography and fine arts. Then as soon as I finished my degree, everything went digital. <laughs> oh. So how did, you ad- how did you adapt to that? Um, and are you I, still doing the, the darkroom sort of? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I was still doing um, photographs, but not like I used to. I've, I've resorted to the digital kind of style. I've still got my old um, prints that um, were in just in the um, Into the Mist um, exhibition. Um, I'd like to build a darkroom here though. I've got the enlarger and everything, you know, all the stuff set up. I just need to make the, the little darkroom. <laughs> but, um, I ended up teaching, um, like paper crafts around, like, uh, the scrapbooking around, right. so 
art around your photos. Yeah. So I did that for, oh, I don't know, about 12, 15 years or something like that. Right. I have no idea time-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> right. It was fun. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about what we what we come here for. And so tell us about the whole experience of you getting married, finding the, your husband, and tell us about how, how this all happened because – uh, you're a big advocate for domestic violence in Australia, so I, I want to talk about th- this this situation. Well, I mean, my my ex husband was um a wonderful man. I cannot fault him. Um, it was uh my experiences with domestic violence before that and after that. Um, that's kind of shaped my understanding and um passion for wanting to bring awareness to it. Um, it's just affects so many people it doesn't just affect you it affects your whole family I mean I had to start my life again from I had a a house a career you know a big group of friends and um I ended up with selling my house and having to buy again building up funds for that that was fun as a single mum that wasn't working it's amazing what you can achieve when you put your mind to it (laughs) but yeah I, I don't have the same friends as I used to it's um Life is completely different. There's nothing that's the same except for my my sister, my mum, and my dad. How did it affect your family? Uh, it was uh, mostly a lot of um, coercive control. So our family was constantly in a state of confusion um, mm. because we were being lied to all the time. There was uh, what was said to one person was said differently to another, and kind of I I would never believe anyone if they'd told me what I went through kind of thing if I hadn't have gone through it myself because it just seems like something out of a, you know, a really twisted um, type B horror movie or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, people were like, yeah, I'm wanting to sabotage you. And, um, yeah, it was uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm lucky I had um, support there um, with my family. There's so many – Women out there that don't have that, their um, family's been estranged from them. Um, they don't have the financial means to be able to get away and get out of the violence situation. We've got in Australia at the moment, there is a woman every week and they're just increasing um, that's murdered from a former partner or current partner. That's absolutely yeah. awful. And it's, it's very, very difficult. But how does it all start? Because uh, – there's got to be a happy time some somewhere in well, yeah. this sort of sort of place, right? So where does it all sort of change? Like? From um, my understanding of um, what a lot of um, people go through is that um, the stage they call love bombing, where you're um, everything's perfect, you know, in that kind of first year, um, mm. and it's you know not really until about two years that you really get to know someone and their true colours kind of start coming out in any kind of situation, really, um, but the control thing once they, once you you're um, committed to something and um, that's when the the mind games start kind of happening or whatnot or the um, the pushing and the shoving and the the intimidation and that exerting the control over um, the situation. And yeah. tell us about yeah. like the help around you. I mean, obviously you've got your family that's going to be helping you, but. Uh, family can only do so much. So, where can women go to get to get help? Like, tell us your experiences, like with the police and with yeah. court. And so, I think um, there's a lot of really dedicated individuals out there that are um, wanting to make a change. 
but the system is so flawed that everything works against each other. It doesn't work with each other, and there's not enough education of what um, – because domestic violence is so much bigger than just, um, you know, not saying just, but um, the physical violence. There's, you know, financial control. There's, um, you know, that control with uh, gaslighting where you're, you're completely – you question your whole reality. Um, nothing makes sense. You you think that you're crazy. It starts, you know, you get getting told one thing when you're like, no, that's not that's not real. This is real, or and it's that constant state of confusion that um, you know, and, and your children are watching you go through that, and your children are getting brought into that, and that's the the scary part as well is that psychological damage that can happen when a child is so young. Um, you know, there's developmental kind of things that sometimes we like to ignore or happening or whatnot, but they can can change a, a, a child's, you know, um, complete future of what their actual understanding of relationships and life is going to be like. Yes, yeah. They sort of see that and go, oh, well, if it's happening now, like, why, why don't yeah, I mimic yeah, that? Normalising and, um, you know, that behaviour then becomes normal. They'll either accept it or they'll actually um, think it's okay to, that's how you react to things, that that emotional um, kind of regulation or whatnot doesn't exist. And I mean, there was just last week here in um, Australia, um, just around the kind of corner, a um, 22-year-old um, woman that was murdered with um, her three-year-old son was witness to it. Mm. And it's just tragic, absolutely tragic. And there was all this, you know, he had an ABO against him. He'd done, been in and to jail and let out early. Um, there were all these warning signs that there should have been someone protecting this girl. And um, there wasn't. I mean, an AVO ideally is um, a good starting point, but it is, it's a bit of paper. It mm. doesn't actually stop someone physically from from going somewhere. They can yeah. agree, but then that's just a day in court, you know. There's not not tough enough penalties or there's um, – there needs to – I mean, it seems that police can spend hours and hours of their time booking people for speeding, but they can't sit in front of a um, young 22-year-old girl's house to make sure that no one's turning up there that shouldn't be there. Yeah. And that doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense at all. It's some, some common sense is sometimes a useful thing. So what are you doing uh, like to sort of like help this? I mean, you're saying you're advocate, the artist sort of like Yeah, I'm trying you? to bring my, um, my art to bring um, kind of awareness to it because I figure if I can get more community in educated about it, the more um, people are going to be wanting to kind of help each other and get in there with services and things like that. We all need to join together. Like the uh, the justice system doesn't work with the police and the police then don't work with the, um, you know, groups that are advocating and they try to, but there's just so much different, you know, legislation of different ways of dealing with things that it just doesn't, doesn't match up. You get one told one thing from one area and another thing from another. And it's impossible to kind of get to a point where you actually there's a, a strict, um, you know, right or wrong. It's always this confusion because there's not enough people educated about what science to kind of look for. Like, um, you know, it's people can yep, nitpick, you know, text messages to each other or phone calls to each other or things like that. But when you look at the broader scope, you've got someone's either in fear and someone's not. Someone's changing their life, someone's not. It's um those bigger kind of things that are going to be those telltales that we don't seem to be paying a lot of attention to. Why do we just try and ignore it? Why do, why do you think that? I mean, it's just I crazy. Think, well, 
I think people are just so busy and caught up in everyone's got their own stresses and things like that. It's really hard to step out of that and, you know, be there for someone else and understand what they're going through or whatnot because everyone's going through something, you know, especially with the pandemic and then we've had the floods and mm. that here as well. Um, and, I mean, before that there was always there's always something that's going on. It's hard to get bring people together. That's why I was hoping with um, something like Community Project might bring people together with um, what I've called the Lonely Chairs. They're each chairs painted um, differently in the new kind of artwork, and I'm going to exhibition those and um, then do a workshop for women that are um, trying to escape domestic violence where they can paint their own chair. And then on a social media site, um, they'll be able to pop their picture of their chair and then their story. So it brings more awareness to what each individual goes through, but they can do it in a safe way where they're not actually putting their picture and their name to it as such as their artwork. That's amazing, Sky. That's really cool. I love how you're, you're sort of getting behind that and, and helping. And do you, do you find that you're getting more people coming out? I haven't launched the workshop yet. It's all, um, this is all in the making. I'm trying to get some funding for. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, I've made, um, I think I've got about 20 chairs now that I've got happening and I've, um, had a pitch with the awesome foundation in our local council and, um, been asked to go back and talk to them about it. So. That's a really good thing. If I can get council involved, that'll be that'll be good. Yeah, yeah. It's all still um, in the in the works, but it's um, about to kind of start launching it very soon. Once I just get that exhibition space, which I might just do at my own house if I don't find something soon. <laughs> and tell us on, on a good side for you, like obviously you've been through some tough times, but where are you now? Tell tell us about that. To be honest, still going through a bit of a, a, a tough time. It, um, it seems to never um, end how people have access to things. But other than that, though, great, really good. Nice. I've got um, I'm got a beautiful um, house, little sanctuary on um, you know, block with uh, just bush and gardens around everywhere. I'm right next to the lake, nice. and uh, my little boy is beautiful. He's happy. How, how old is he now? He's four. Four. Wow. Yeah. Goes yep. so fast. <laughs> yeah, he's into, he's into um, you know, all the the rock music and that as well. He calls um, like the White Stripes called the Red Band because it's <laughs> being red. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, they have different names for for things, but he doesn't really know much about the Wiggles or whatnot as such. So it hasn't drawn, driven me crazy yet. So it's great. <laughs> yeah, and for you, uh, what was it like, like being a mum? I mean, it's everybody. You don't know what it's like until you actually ha- have a kid. So for you, what, what's it been like being a mother? I feel connected to the world again. Yeah. It's amazing. I can't describe kind of anything else that's like it. Just that unconditional love is, um, yeah, it's really beautiful. It makes you look at your own parents differently again. And, then, you know, it's everything you experience with them, like, at the moment, we've got a thing of catching bugs and learning about what happens when you squish a bug or, you know, <laughs> different things and seeing and get upset and then get happy about, you know, when they, you know, the snail starts moving or, you know, just the real simple things in life that we forget, you know, that are, um, you know, probably more important than the other stuff. Yeah, the simple things in life. And so it just, hopefully it, it just lets all things go away, like bring all positive sort of things in, into yeah. your life. That's That's really, really cool. So... Tell us what is what does the future hold for Sky? I'm just gonna keep doing doing the art thing, music now. I play bass now. Oh come on! <laughs> yeah, I couldn't master guitar, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I would like to eventually open a um, kind of a community gallery where other artists can um, join in on the on the human rights type thing and get um, get more people talking and more things happening and so a bit like of a, a like an open mic night sort of. Yeah, for artists, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but just that's um, really cool. Yeah, there's a, actually a space that's just down. Um, that's just like a little abandoned kind of old um, um, tennis building or something like that that I want to see who owns and try and um, commandeer that <laughs> so that it's a, yeah. a gallery for um, local artists. That's really cool. So you've got the the music, uh, you've got the the artwork, uh, and trying to help uh, with the domestic violence and, and the kids. And for you personally, what what are your sort of goals for the future? Just to be happy, be a good mum. Need to be a good mum. So that's yeah. Swimming lessons and <laughs> and couple <laughs> cars and yeah, mumming. <laughs> Be a good mum. Where can we find uh, and your social medias? Uh, where where can we find your artwork and where, what are your, your social medias? I've got the Facebook, the Sky Elizabeth Design um, Art Side of the Moon, and I've also got a Wix site, which is um, I think it's Sky Elizabeth James, is that one at the Thunder. And I'm on Blue Thumb, which is a um, like a like almost like an Etsy for for visual artists. And yeah, just when the exhibitions pop up and everything, they're all on Facebook. You can just follow the link. Awesome. Well, what would you say uh, to someone that wants to be like an artist like you? What would you say to them? And they're an inspiring artist that wants to sort of do what you're doing. Find out your purpose, your reason. Why are you doing art? There has to be a reason. Once you find that, nothing will kind of stop you. You'll just keep finding things pop up that um that lead you in the right direction of where you're um where you're needed. Um, and I mean it can be the simplest thing as, as you know that you like flowers and want to show everyone how much you like flowers. Yeah. Or it can be you know something about um you know domestic violence or um world issues. Um, it uh it's just your own personal experience with um your world and your art that will make you stand out from other people. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, with domestic violence as well, what do you say? Are there avenues? What if they're scared? What's your advice to someone that's in this sort of situation that we've been talking about? Uh, definitely, if you can get the support from your family and whatnot, go to them first. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a lot of um, groups out there like Vocal um, is one that we have here in Newcastle. Um, and you've got the police that will give you a lot of um, different um, groups and that that you can contact for support, but um, next best thing is to build resilience. It's not an easy road out. Don't expect it to be, but mm. it's much better. <laughs> yes, talking to people. I mean, and and seeing like mental health as a whole. Like we're going into lockdown tomorrow for five days, and it's tough. Like being yeah. in in the confined space. And you just want to work. You want to work. You want to be out there. You want to be able to live a normal life. So I can understand, but definitely talk to people. You know, yeah. just call them up. Just yeah. say hello. Yeah. And um, that the good old um, you know, thing of the art of distraction. You know, mm. these things find things to do. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, colour in. You know, sing a song, do some gardening, not roll in dirt, whatever to push fancy, but just. Keep your um, mind from getting too far into your own mind. <laughs> and it's sort of like a good time to sort of uh, rethink about what you what you want to do and 
you can be very creative in this sort of time. That's what I try and do. Guitars over there and uh, the podcast, lots of things to do. So, all right. So to finish finish off, I ask the yeah, top two or three things as of today, Sky. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Give me your top two or three all-time favorite band. Uh, System of a Down, Horn, oh. uh, and The Beatles. Okay. Your top two or three favorite albums. Abbey Road. Ooh. And actually, Brinsbury's, um Guide to Better Living, Led Zeppelin 2. Oh, come on. Very nice. Three places that you've been to, uh, cities, and then three places that you'd like to go to in the future. Hoi An. Beautiful spot. Mm. Kao Lark, I think is the way you say it in Vietnam. In Thailand, sorry. Thailand, right? Yeah. Samoa. And then three places, and then three places that you'd like to go to in the future. Sri Lanka. Why? It just looks very pretty and peaceful, and it's got a culture that I haven't experienced before. In yes. <laughs> very cool. The Maldives and um, Mauritius, and I really like to go back to Samoa. Mm, very, very tropical. Yeah, I'm going to Tasmania actually. <laughs> Tassie, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me uh, your three top favourite movies of all time. Um, oh, you don't watch TV? What a silly question. No, no, no I watch movies. Oh, okay. I don't watch movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, they'd have to be probably all Tarantino movies. Um, mm. Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, and um, that new The Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, that's cool. Any up-and-coming artists uh, besides yourself that we need to sort of look out for? There's uh, Call name Melissa Ray. Her name is. There's heaps of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's good. Go the um, butterfly effect exhibition and just click left and right of me, and there's those. Right. They're already, they're amazing. <laughs> um, everyone in the um the whole um exhibition is so it's I'm very honoured to actually be part of it. So I don't know how I got there. <laughs> <laughs> Last question. Uh, who is your greatest inspiration slash hero? And why? Frida Kahlo. She's a Mexican artist. Um, she managed to teach uh, in Paris, even though she had never learnt art in Mexico. Um, she was also uh, disabled. She'd had a, a um, tram accident that um, paralysed her, and it didn't stop her from still doing everything she wanted to in life. And, um, yeah, she had amazing strength and um, an amazing way of painting and um, depicting her experience through the world. Yeah. Wow. That's a great way to finish off, I think, Sky. Thank you very much for your time. And, Thank you. Uh, uh, good luck with your art and uh, let us know uh, about the links and I'll, I'll put them up on the, the website for you. Excellent, Legend. Thank you. Hope no treats you well. And I'll, and hopefully I'll be back in Australia very soon. As soon as I get a chance, I will yeah. definitely I'll definitely come back. Yes, yes, I will. Yeah. Awesome. That's right. <laughs>